0: The Gobbledy Podcast is brought to you by SageLit Digital, home of the 10-week Gobbledy Transformation Program. In just 10 weeks, we'll remove all the nonsense words from your software company website and replace it with clear, concise language that will make your prospects want to buy. Visit us at SageLit.com. That's S-A-G-E-L-E-T-T dot com.
1: Here's my 10 cent word of the day compendium of really good emails. It's at reallygoodemails.com. Fantastic conversation chatting with him about what in fact makes a really good email and why it's so hard to find really good emails. If you have any questions, want to have a guest that you know on this show or someone you know on this show as a guest, love to hear from you at jared at sagelet.com, jared at s-a-g-e-l-e-t-t.com. Please review the show wherever you download the podcast from and share with friends. Right now, Mike Nelson from Really Good Emails. And is just a, here's my 10 cent word of the day, compendium of Really Good Emails. It's at reallygoodemails.com. Fantastic conversation chatting with him about what in fact makes a really good email and why it's so hard to find really good emails if you have any questions want to have a guest that you know on this show or someone you know on this show as a guest love to hear from you at jared at sagelet.com jared at s-a-g-e-l-e-t-t.com please review the show wherever you download the podcast from and share with friends right now mike nelson from really good emails mike nelson welcome to the show hey thanks jared all right it's it's been a a while Yes, uh, it has been too long as it is with so many people, but uh, I know you've been working on really good emails. What is really good emails?
0: I don't know what really good emails is. Like it's this strangely popular website that grew out of nothing. My buddy and I started it eight years ago because everything was trapped in our inbox and everyone was like, hey, can you forward me this example that you're talking about? And I had all these folders and I was like, screw it. Like, let's just put this on a website And so we started really good emails.com which any of the seo buffs that are listening has got some great seo juice right there just in the in the url but yeah so we just started throwing emails on that site and it kind of just blew up from there so right now it's kind of the best way to describe is like pinterest for email marketers and um, copywriters and project managers and campaign managers just so they can see what other people are doing get good examples see how the code is kind of created behind it, grab text for themselves, see the imagery and the gifts, stuff like that. So that's that's in a nutshell.
1: I, I'm trying, I knew really good emails before I knew you. And I was trying to think before that, how did we find examples of emails? Did we just, I think we just subscribed to everything Right? Is is that what we did? I feel like I had a folder of just like random stuff I I had uh, subscribed to because I was curious to see how they did emails. Oh yeah, yeah. And If
0: you still look at my inbox, I have like thirty six thousand unread messages <laughs> because of that. I've never gone through and like actually unsubscribed. I just, you know, you have like the old computers from from college, and you're like, oh, the RAM's full or whatever, memory's full. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna like keep that in a box somewhere. Like that's how like some of my inboxes are. I'm just like, well, that was like during the 2012 you know era. So I'm just gonna keep that inbox somewhere else. Um, uh, I,
1: I, there's nothing more satisfying. Once a year, I go through and unsubscribe, and it feels. <laughs> but there's also it's it, there's also like old friends. Like I don't know the last time I bought something from Neiman Marcus, but like I can't I can't unsubscribe from Neiman Marcus. I'm curious what they're doing, and what they're doing is send sending me the same crap they've sent for 15 <laughs> years like i always think there's going to be some sort of massive innovation like oh my god look at look at what banana republic is doing but,
0: oh my goodness yeah it's so mind-bending that's yeah that's essentially why we wanted to start it, it was because our inbox is full of crap you the truth, like we yeah. got so frustrated like really another email that sucks like my eyes are burning like the copywriter spent maybe, if they had one, probably spent five minutes on this thing, and it really is just like a big buy now button every single day. It's like, why would I read this? So that was that. That was like the precipice of trying to, you know, get all those examples together and bring them over.
1: Were, were you doing something else at the time, you and your uh, your co-founder? You weren't just sitting around. I was you actually had some other job.
0: no, I actually met him online, so it's like we online dated for a while. But the no, I was working for a skin care company which was kind of in the medical space and so everything you did had to be like reviewed by legal and you know pharma has this world and banking has this world where it's just like your creation just gets stagnated because it's got through so many red lines and then when it comes out you're like that's not exact that's not like what i wanted to say at all and so this is like an outlet for me to kind of put my own voice into something where i was like i control this i can say whatever the hell i want I'm not gonna get fired for unless I fire myself. And so that's where kind of the craziness came from if you look at our our brand voice. But yeah, it's just it's just been like seven years of us kind of just nurturing the weird and the fun and everything else that comes out of this really boring industry. Like I don't know. you you look at you look at at saAS writing all the time. like it's a everyone's just trying to like one- up each other with just like the biggest jargony, stupid words. and no one's real. like, yeah, so we wanted to be a little bit different in that sense and stick out.
1: That, I mean, that's part of my whole thesis is that on, uh, especially in SaaS, but it's true broadly, that if you can create a voice, you will stand out so much and it will be so effective because nobody else is doing it. That right. The space is so, the the whole, the opportunity is so gigantic that nobody
0: nobody's taken it. That that blows my mind. It's like, this, because like this... They go to the office and they become a robot and then they go home and they like become a real person again and it's just it's like where does that person that i was just talking to and some of the funniest people i know like when they get into business mode it's just like bullet points and you're like where's the personality like yeah i'll read it but yeah I um,
1: what why do you think that ha- what happened why does that happen
0: i don't know scare tactics fear you know the feeling like i'm just gonna do it like everybody else does and if you know you if you step out on that ledge there's this opportunity like you might fall off and and that's scary for some people like it's the unknown
1: yeah and, and i think it, you know i came in from retail and before before coming over to the software side and in retail you comp the previous year so you go back and look at what you did last year and you try to get 3% more of it and yeah. I, I i've always wondered if that's part of it that you're always looking at last year and i think and you can tell me it seems to me like emails we created in 2003 would look like emails today. Whereas like websites don't, right? Like I'm writing this thing now about in SaaS, all the, like three years ago, every SaaS website had these like uh, red, yellow and blue flat people. Like every every Mm -hmm. one of them had, that was the design. And before that it was something else. And every three years design changes, but in email, I haven't seen, and I haven't seen a massive change. Do you, do you, have you seen like development in email and the creative has that changed over time?
0: I mean, the tactics are still the same. Sadly, the amount of time that people probably spend on email is probably about the same, but the ESPs are starting to get a little better. So ESP is for your listeners, uh, email service provider, that's going to be like a MailChimp or a Klaviyo or something like that. Um, and their drag and drop functionality has gotten a lot easier to use and their templates are a lot better. And then you have tools like Canva or, you know, other quick things that you can throw in some, they give you like quick inspiration based on other kind of design trends that you'd see around the, around the world. And so it's, it's, I would say prettifying the email a little bit better than you saw, like, you know, six, seven years ago when we started, if you look back at like our earliest things, you compare you know pinterest emails today to what they were seven years ago and yeah there's a there's a big difference yeah essentially it's it's generally the it has the same feeling it's not like a refreshing feeling anymore it's unless you really know what you're doing and that's mostly because email code is not standardized so the way the an email is rendered in an inbox is different if you're looking at it on your you know apple mail versus gmail versus outlook and so it's a technical hindrance on a lot of developers cause they're like, well, screw it. I know how to code a website and I can right click and inspect on the website and steal some of those elements. Whereas once it gets into an inbox, it's really hard to pull out those creative elements for yourself. And so what you see is just like a really big fat ass image. Like, it's just like one huge image that somebody designed in Photoshop and then, you know, screenshotted that thing and just threw it into their email and said, good to go and it's clickable, you know? that's the your banana republic you know that's that has not changed over the last seven years retails that way it has not changed because they need they need to spit out emails every single day like they have this like you said like every single day needs to be a new message for retail because they need to be fresh they need to deliver a new coupon code they've got e-com manager who's you know breathing down their neck like here's the sale here's the launch here's the collection and so they need to spit out things fast and so the best way for them to do that is just give it to the designer he'll get things done and they don't have to worry about the development code or the, the QA, 8 process or anything else. If it's just one flat image.
1: Yeah, I remember back in the day, it, one flat image that the, the, the ISPs wouldn't deliver it is that, or, or their deliverability issues, it would be too heavy, just one image. Has that changed over time? Now you can still have, a, you can have a big, uh, image it, it, it
0: depends on the, I think it really depends on just the relevancy and like how good you are at scrubbing people that don't interact. So ESP has used something called the quality score and to hit an inbox, which is different than hitting the promotions folder is is really kind of difficult. But if, if you're able to do a welcome series and get people to click and you know recognize that they've subscribed to that thing right off the bat, it helps the, the deliverability into your inbox way more. So even if you are still sending just a plain image based on the engagers, like you can land better in the inbox than the promotion folder and then you used to have i don't know if you remember when the promotion folder came out but like you'd have all these emails where it's like move us to the inbox move us to the inbox because they did not want to be stuck in that like hellhole of coupons with everybody else but to me i'm like you know promotion folder serves a purpose if somebody's in buying mode they're gonna go to the promotions folder and see what's there yeah it might not be top of mind and it might not be every single day but you'll probably have a higher conversion rate and so for the things that work, work that way. I I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a pain in the ass to, to do email today, uh, which it, it, it shouldn't be. It'd be easier.
1: It, 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 oh, no, it's always been a pain in the ass. And I, I I actually, I remember when the promotion folder came out in Gmail and the email community, which is the most insecure group of people I've ever met. they delightful. <laughs> We're like, Oh, it's all over. Like it's all, it's over. And I thought, I, I don't think it's over. I think it's great that you're out, Like we can't pretend that an email from Nordstrom is the same as an email from your mother, like they should be in different places, right? Like you're not an idiot, and so I was like, exactly your point that when people want to buy something, they'll look, they'll look through the coupons, or look through the emails, or they'll go through the promotions folder occasionally to see what's there. That just seemed crazy to me, and I I think a lot of this goes back to when you know old people like me were on dial-up. And it took a while to download the email and then it took a while to open the email. It mm-hmm. goes, all of that took a while. Nothing takes a while anymore. People don't check their email once a day. It, it's the world has changed. And I, I think actually Gmail has developed perfectly, perfectly fine. The emails that I want generally get delivered.
0: Well, I think people, I think people actually check their email multiple times a day. They just don't want to check your email Yeah. Not right. your, yeah, get right. your email, but like, right. and I think this is where there's a divergence of strategy for a lot of email marketers where it's, when can I deliver the most value and get the most bang bang for my buck? And that goes into a lot of segmentation and in brand value. So if you're, if you're creating something that people want to read, like newsletters do pretty well because people are accustomed to a voice and, you know, news and newsworthy things, and they'll want to open and they'll want to get some delight and some humor or um, some information out of that. But if it's really just like a sale, That should not be an everyday thing because not everyone's going to buy a parka or, you know, gym shoes every single day. So it needs to be, you need to segment your customers a lot better in that world where it's like, okay, Jim just bought a pair of running shoes. You know, he's probably not going to buy another pair for another six months to a year. So how else can we get him engaged, but we don't have to annoy him every single day to replace those soles of some sort. So, yeah, I think that's like the world we go into is. You know really figuring out who the audience is and why they read and when's the best time t- to touch, like, again, yeah, touch base them.
1: So, my contrarian take on this is that because there's virtually no cost to send something, there's no cost to receive it because you're not on dial up and you know, there's no time cost, it's just there. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's no, I feel like there's almost like not a lot of reason to do the hard work of segmentation and personalization, because you could just blast out the 40% off. And the worst part of it is it works. It works repeatedly. You do 40% off sweaters, people will buy. There's like a magical, I was on a, I was at a, I don't think I was on the panel. I think I was, no, it doesn't matter. I was at a conference, maybe I was on the panel or not. And someone said something-
0: (laughs) Very memorable conference.
1: It was a really memorable, but no, I remember the person. I just can't remember if I was watching it or sitting next to her. She was from like the ASPCA an email marketer from the ASPCA, and she was saying how uh, every time you sent a sad picture of a dog or a picture of a sad dog, it generated a bunch of donations. Like, and I used to say after that, like, everyone has a sad dog. And at Tommy Hilfiger, it was 40% off sweaters. Like, no matter what, that worked. Like, when things were were looking bleak, that was our sad dog. (laughs) And I feel like that's part of the problem. There's no cost... To the sad dog that you could just always send it out. It really doesn't annoy people. Like I get, how many emails do you get a day? Like 400 yeah. million of them. I can't even. Maybe I'm annoyed, but I'm not. I can't pinpoint that annoyance in any particular company. And so, like, are, are do you feel like companies are doing more segmentation? Is that happening more?
0: I think the, the good ones are, the majority aren't right. But if you are looking at email as your own channel, right? It's not something you pay Facebook or LinkedIn for. It's something that you've acquired this customer through probably, you know, AdWords or something else. Now you have that individual. You don't have to pay anyone anymore, like other than, you know, your ESP to send, you know, points, it costs 0.00001 cents to, you know, to to send it out. But the problem is, is because you own that, you think, oh, I can do whatever I want and they're gonna stick around forever. And to your point of the 40% off sweater, you're not going to get the same result three weeks later for 40% off for that same individual, right? Like they, it'll have a decreasing amount of volume over and over and over again. And your LTV is going to decrease for those, that customer base. Whereas if you can really be relational and create value for this individual and really hit them at the right moments, the LTV is going to just increase. You're not going to, you're not going to just wear that person out where they're like, you know, what, I've already got all the stuff. I'll, you know, I'll just maybe come back later or you, you coupon them to death where this, this is a world I lived in back in uh, 2010 to 2012, before we sold our skincare retailer, which was, we're just going to hit everybody up with 20 to 30% off these brands that usually they don't get any discount on and we'll be, you know, the cheap retailer. And we saw our sales explode, but then a year later, all those people all, they demanded deeper and deeper and deeper discounts. They got used to it, right? And we could not sell a normal price product a year after that. Like we screwed ourselves over. And so really like, you know, this is a whole like promotion and pricing strategy that goes into this. And that's not necessarily the email marketers stick. Like it's not them to really decide that. It's probably usually somebody else in the business is like, Oh shoot, sales aren't great. Let's do something today. But the more that you leverage email as a, just like, spray and pray kind of world, it gets the, it gets the mode it gets today. Like people don't like the emails. They're like, well, it's, it's a crappy email. I'm not, I don't really care that much, but if you move them into like this delightful, valuable world, like you can get a lot more out of them.
1: Oh, I I say that you have children. The first time you let your young, young child sleep in the bed with you, it is like heroin or some oxy where you only need to do it once and then it's this unbelievable addiction that takes months to wean you off of. And that's your business, your skincare business was that. Like once you do, once you break the barrier, whatever the yeah. barrier is, that's immediately the new normal. Immediately, mm-hmm. just one, mm-hmm. one percent off site-wide email. No one will buy because they know that's coming back. They can always hop into bed with mom and dad again. That, yeah. And like you said, it's not an email thing, but I'm not sure that would be possible without email. And because it's so quick to throw together an email and so cheap to send an email out that any individual email doesn't have much cost, whether it's whether it's a drain on the brand or like the work of doing it. Like there's no, it's not that that one email isn't going to cause the trouble, you think, but it can. Right. It does. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's it can accumulation. be enormously impactful. Yeah, it's the accumulation and it happens very quick. And you think like just this yeah. one time, but it's never just that one time.
0: Yeah. So when I was managing Lonely Planet, we had this every year over Black Friday. It was like the deepest discount we do, which is like pretty much cheaper than wholesale. And it pissed our booksellers off completely because they'd be like, "How we can't even compete. And I was like, sorry, this is only like a couple day thing. And after you do it, then what happens is you, you condition your subscribers. And they know, hey, right around Black Friday, I'm going to get this book for you know, pennies on a dollar. And so they just kind of like don't buy anything for the entire year. And then they buy 18 books all at once. And you're like, well, I made lots of money that day, but it's eating and cannibalizing all the other sales I probably would have had throughout the year. Again, that doesn't go back to the email. Like you said, it's more of a, a pricing and promotional strategy. But if you are reserving your email to deliver that, then you're not using email in a smart way. You're not, you're not, con- you're, you're pent. your pent up demand is, not towards you know new products or new product launches. Your pent up demand is to pretty much race to the bottom, which is yeah. like a horrible, horrible thing.
1: Oh, and then also there's well there was Black Friday, then there was Cyber Monday, then there was Cyber Week, then there was mm-hmm. Black Friday in July, and it just you know it, yeah <laughs> yeah it's a problem. Uh, who are there companies that you actually look forward to getting emails from? Like newsletters are one well, thing. So newsletters are, let's talk about commercial email uh, rather than newsletters. Newsletters are a whole other topic I'd be happy to talk about, but like commercial emails.
0: Well, on the newsletter side, I think there's like this thing called gobbledy, which is oh, that's, pretty that's funny. Good. That's yeah. good. I heard the, the guy's pretty that's, hot. That's a good one. The, the guy's yeah. pretty
1: attractive who writes that. There's
0: there's a, there's, a, there's a few that I look at and think, man, that's either the strategy is really good. Like in the SaaS world, it's it's actually easier to deliver a good email because you have so much customer data. You have all their like how they use the product and can deliver like pinterest does a really good job because the recommendations are spot on because they have look modeling and a few other things like that and when that email comes in i usually think okay there's gonna be something here for me on the just from like a humor perspective chubbies which is a shorts company every time i don't i'm not gonna buy i'm not even into like the short shorts but i love their emails and you know the more i think about it i'm like yeah maybe i will buy some shorts and trunks like just because I love this brand so much. And that, I think that's the power of, of branding. And, you know, there's 10,000 emails on our really good emails, and I could probably go through a lot of those, but- Is it because- Article it has, is an-
1: art, Sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh, so there's a brand called Article, which focuses on like home goods and things like that. Like they've been able to kind of pinpoint your buying behavior, but then their emails are just beautifully like designed and they, they have a lot of like good data of what you've looked at, and what's being launched and so that's that's a brand that i think will well it's it's a fairly new brand that's it's growing in popularity probably because of their promote their strategy of how to connect people with their products
1: and that that is so when, when I worked at BlueCore, that was sort of one of the insights there that when you connect uh, product data and customer data you can create via trigger you could create really good personalized emails i think that was true i still believe in that product but i think there's it's gotten much easier there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of companies that have come along since then that make that, that make that easier, right? Like the, the, the iterables of the world or enclavio. It, it, it's, it's much easier to do what you're saying article is doing than mm-hmm. it used to be. Right. Is that, does that just require sort of thinking through like, what would any how would we, how would we reconnect with somebody via email if they did X, Y, or Z? Is that, is that sort of how you think about it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it depends on how much money you have still, you know, like all the good things in life just cost more. Right. And so like the brands that can afford a CDP and really understand what their customer data looks like and how people are engaging are going to have better communication and they'll have better data and they'll be able to do better things. Right. A normal pizza shop down the street is not going to implement a CDP nor are they going to probably fork up the $300 a month. It is to, to, get the plugin for Shopify, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so that's where the world is, is like the, the people that do well are going to have the good tools. And the people that are just like normal Joe Schmoes, like you and I are just going to be like, okay, how do I piece this together? And it, it's much more tactical and thoughtful of how they put those together. Actually, there's, there's a pizza company that we have on our site. I'll send it to you. Who just does like ridiculous, ridiculous wording and ridiculous kind of sales and you never know what's going to happen and they might feature like elephants one day and it's just you know it's just like this weird surprising kind of thing and because they don't have a ton of data on their customers but it's no if we just keep things weird like it will it will attract people and kind of if you've ever eaten at a Mellow mushroom like their their menu is just as funny as kind of the rest of the, the the restaurant and so they kind of apply something else there so back to that that world of being smart and segmentation and all that kind of stuff. Like the better that you are at understanding your customers, the better you are at delivering kind of the messages that are going to drive that value.
1: I think you said something interesting though that you know I've been talking about. <laughs> I wrote ClickZ articles twenty years ago <laughs> about segmentation. Yeah, and I also I my head was up my ass because yes, you could theoretically in two thousand two do that, but the amount of work required. To segment mm-hmm. your customers and send different email, like I, I don't know what, the, I can't believe anyone listened to that. Anyway, it's it is tr- that fact is true, but it is way easier on some level. Wait, it's certainly technically easier to hire a great copywriter and come up with surprising ways to talk about your product. I think like that to me is what's so interesting, like the opportunity there, that. I, maybe it's small and I'm curious to see sort of the pizza company or whatever, why there aren't more examples of that, why that feels like a hack to me. Like if you can come Mm -hmm. up with surprising ways to tell your story, people will want to read them because to your point earlier, people want to read newsletters, right? Like newsletters, Substack I'm on, there's lots of platforms for that have like this resurgence because people do want to read people who have a voice. And I'm curious, how can companies bring that into what they're doing?
0: Like how do they uh, break so th- out of the cycle? It's all about like being scrappy, I think. When you, when you have like, you're confined, you become more creative. And so there's this new brand of Cereal called Cereal, or S- Surreal, I don't know. They're based out of the UK, small company, and they've been doing some crazy stuff. So what they did is like, hey, we're all remote, but we're all gonna work out of Ikea. And like that was, I don't know if you've seen this, but they they went and they set up their office at Ikea and they worked out of Ikea for the day and they took pictures and they said like, this is our office now. Like we're gonna go every day and instead of paying for office space, like we're all gonna work out of Ikea and we're gonna save the customer's money because we're not paying for office space anymore. And like, that was just some like rando idea that just came through. It was like, wouldn't this be funny? And they did it. And uh, like every single week, they do something kind of on that line of just like, you know, strangely saving you money so you can have better cereal or better cereal at a better price, kind of thing. And so it's really kind of just finding and again, like I'm attracted more to these memorable experiences that are are humorous, but it doesn't have to be that way. Like it can be, like we said at the very beginning, there's all this jargon and just getting to the point of what you do. Like it doesn't have to be like this puffery, smoke-filled room where you know you're like you can imagine it's dark lit and somebody shows up and is like, Hey, we have the best product, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, this is what we do and you should like it because of this. And I think just like cutting through the crap can usually, you know, bring people in. And if it doesn't, well, here's, here's the other part is you can segment your customers a lot faster that way. If you just tell them directly, like in the subject line, this is what the email is about. And like, this is what we're going to do. Like people are going to like it or they're not. But the people that like it, the click-through rate and the conversion rate off those people are going to be really high versus the people that aren't engaging because it, it doesn't resonate with that individual. And then you take that people that didn't click and you you put them in a different bucket and you say, okay, what here can we change or or test? And you try a different message that's to the point with that, and you kind of keep going, and going, and going until you've figured out. Kind of different segments and and what and just, yeah the A/B testing world of emails becomes so much easier these days. So there shouldn't be any excuse to be testing messaging and testing your branding and all that kind of stuff.
1: Oh, you, you hit on something that uh, that I've been thinking a lot about, which is you have to go back to first principles about who is this product for, and it has to be a finite group of people. Mm-hmm. It, it can't be, something can't be for marketers or for people who buy cereal. It, it has to, you have to position yourself in the world of other products. And you have to do that very specifically. I, I work and talk to a lot of startups. That's a huge problem because it's uncomfortable when you're getting started to say, I'm only really, at, at least in stage one of my company, I am going to be the best option for this smaller group of people. And I will be Mm -hmm. able to speak with them and connect to your, this is where your point comes in. If you know what the target group is and it's tight and there's something in common with them, you can speak to them in a way that will resonate and then the conversions will be higher. Then you have different problems down the road as you expand, but you have to start with, all right, who are the X number of people in the world, it should be small, where I'm far and away the best option. And then there's lots of ways to tell that story, but I feel like existing companies rarely go back to that and say, all right, well, what are the first principles? And like, I love the story about cereal where their first principle is we, our company is going to do everything we can to keep our costs down to to give you lower priced cornflakes, whatever. But there's, there's so much creative stuff you can do out of that. But if you don't do that work, how do you, then you end up with what, You end up like everybody else. With gobbledy, yeah, you do. Yeah.
0: You end up copying other people because you think, well, what, what got them what got them that result is just this versus where they came from and how they built the audience. Like Nike, for example, like there's so many case studies on why Nike is amazing, or you know, why their founder has done certain things. But the the world is that because they're such a popular brand, if I copy them. I'm gonna get the same result. And what you do is you get a lot of copycats who don't stand out. And that's where like the world of Amazon is going, where everything is just being commoditized and everything looks like everything else. And the only way to stand out is to be different. Like it's it's really hard to compete against a behemoth who has tons of marketing dollars, already has a massive following and has loyal customers versus finding that niche that really needs like a, a sweet spot to solve that problem. If you're just going to copy Nike, you're probably not going to do well. But if you're like, "Hey, I'm going to create a shoe that gives 90 percent more spring than Nike because it's for I don't know junior high track athletes," like that's going to be a very small niche that you can probably speak to them a little bit better, and that goes into your marketing. You know, you're probably going to be more on Snap and yeah, TikTok and some other places rather than you know at you know on a billboard down the freeway.
1: Yeah, the Amazon <coughs> example. Hold on, <clears throat> excuse me. The Amazon example is a really good one because the Amazon ecosystem for marketers uh, is developing as the web did over 20, 25 years. Amazon it's happening in like 18 months, 24 months with like, okay, how does SEO work on there? Like now now you can buy ads and buy keywords and all of that and all of the hacking and the expertise around mm-hmm. hacking your way through it. and that happened and still happens with 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 google but i think ultimately long term what we've seen with google is yes you can hack your way through things in google but ultimately the good content tends to win
0: yeah
1: like over time it it will punish bad content and will reward good content and i think that's the story we'll see with amazon we're not there yet because now we're in the hacking the hacking phase but I I do think like great content, story well told, brand well understood, still wins. No matter all the other stuff you're doing, if you have that, everything else gets easier. And I just see everything being done the other way in SaaS especially, where it's okay, get the website up, start doing this, start selling, and then three years later they hire someone like you and are like, oh, we don't have a brand. Can you create a brand? And you're like, well, no, that's not how that's not how it (laughs) works. Like the brand, you the brand is already that already happened. (laughs)
0: Yeah, you and I struggled through this whole conversation. We've had many conversations around this where it's, why is it so difficult? Like, why why is it the way that it is today? And it comes down to like just being strategic and thoughtful about it, right? And I keep on going back to the reason why people open emails and click through emails is because it's a personal space and they expect things that are delivered there to be good for them. Right. And the more that you can resonate in in that world, the better you are at getting or extracting value from those individuals. And so, like you said, like it's easy to copy and paste and copy other emails or copy other websites or, you know, start, you know, a SaaS product where you're like, okay, our MRR this month is blah, blah, blah. And what is our sales team doing? And, but unless you have a good message, like there's no reason somebody's going to come to you unless they're like, you're the only fix, like you're the only thing in the world that will give them this. And that's a, a super cool place to be. If you can be that, cause then you don't have to worry about it. But eventually what's going to happen is you're going to have brands that do it better and cheaper and more memorably at a better price or whatever. And then you get cut out because you're boring.
1: Yeah. And I think brands don't think of themselves as content companies. And ultimately, if you're sending emails, you are a content company, and you don't have to be happy about that. But you, I think, you need to look for inspiration from the Netflix of the world and the Substacks of the world. There, yeah. you are a content, content company, and if you are sending poor content, you will fail. I've, oh, I've. When I think about Netflix and Amazon Prime and those video streaming services. At some point, they spent big to buy existing product that people like to put there. Substack has been paying people have been paying journalists who had a following to come on Substack and work there. And I've thought for a long time, like why haven't brands bought a novel and serialized it over email? Like there's why haven't they taken sort of the content approach and say, okay, you know what you like uh, I don't know some author. We're going to, we're going to take Chuck Klosterman's uh, book and we're going to serialize it over email. And that's the only place you're going to get it. You're going to have to subscribe to our emails. That feels like it would be worth a few hundred thousand dollars to a big company.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But all those big companies are going to say, all these people are signing up. Are they going to buy our stuff after they read it? Right. So whereas in Netflix, that is our product. Their yeah. product is selling, serializing those things where if you found a, a novel that is about a lady in Chicago and has experienced all these things and your company is based in Chicago and is in travel. Like to me, that makes total sense yeah. versus sure. the lady who's in Chicago and you sell popsicles. Like, sure. like it's always cold air. So back to your point on just like it being a content company and I, I'm, I, I'm a big offender of this, but case studies, let's go into case studies just for a second. I know yeah. we're like end the time, but when I, when I see a SaaS company send out like, oh, here are our case studies. And we have Louis Vuitton and we have, you know, Peloton and we have all these other companies who use us and you're like, oh, cool. I'm going to, let me look at how they use you. And then you open it up and it's only like this glorified, I don't know, like temple worship of myself and like of the brand where it's like the, the why you, the, the sugar, the candy that got you there to, to read this is that brand. And then you open it up and it's like nothing about that. It's only your SaaS company. That's just like eight pages of why your SaaS company rocks with like two paragraphs of that, of that brand Peloton or something else. Why is it this way? Can you tell me like, why do we, why don't we show and give value to that brand and say like, this is the brand's, Problem and this is like what they were looking for and these are the results that this brand got and then by the way they use our our product and this is a, the product is what actually got them those results like why isn't the the byline the SAS and like the story is is the brand like what's because going on
1: every, because every interaction is like you're trapped in an elevator with a salesperson. Like you have 30, <laughs> it is, with software, it is It is like cars, like used cars. Like if you saw a used car salesman at, at Mercedes, they wouldn't be like, God, you know, uh, that John Hamm does a really nice job in the doing voiceovers in our commercials. Be like, no, you know what, this thing's got uh, this horsepower, how many people do you have in your family? Oh, do you want speed? Blah, 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 blah. Same thing with software. It, it's like, oh, we got the person to download thing. This is our chance to just vomit everything we can about ourselves on them. Because I I think there's just so much fear and insecurity at software companies broadly, that this is our only chance. They downloaded this thing. This is our chance to tell our story. And just like blah, 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 blah. blah. Rather than like, no, slow the hell down. What the hell now? Mm-hmm. It's the first date, man, or second date, or whatever. I haven't dated in a while, and not know how things go nowadays. Like you're <laughs> gonna have, you're gonna have more. If you make this interesting, people will want to know more. They're gonna ask you for more. And to your point, they don't recognize Louis Vuitton or Peloton is the thing that will lure. That's the thing they. That's the interesting part. They don't know about you, so why would that be interesting? It's not. Yeah.
0: They, they want don't to know
1: if, about this company.
0: I don't know if you went to the IRCE in the early days, but on stage, people were sharing their best kept secrets. Like, like you said, like, this is, this is how I'm hacking SEO. This is how I'm hacking my customers. And then eventually it became like this world where it was just a sales conference where to get on stage, you had a pay to play and you had a, you know, a SaaS company back you and you're going to now hawk their platform for five seconds on stage, right? And what's happened to IRCE is nobody goes anymore. Nobody wants, unless they have like something very specific that they're like, I'm gonna walk the trade floor and uh, talk to like six different people. Whereas in the world where we just went through COVID, I don't even think that's gonna happen anymore because it's so available. Like the the value here is the story and the the ability to like actually show something that worked versus trying to sell something. And you see a time over time over time. And yet we're still stuck in this world of of like, if I just sell, people will buy. And I don't, I don't believe that's the case anymore. And that's like where I'm like with, with email, you need to actually continue to prove the value. And then when they're ready to buy, they're going to be thinking of you because you're in that consideration set.
1: Yeah. I I think there's just no recognition that buyers are way more informed nowadays than they ever were. And I remember buying a car in like 1999. 2000 and it was very very early days of car information on the internet and I went to a bunch of dealers and five of them pretended like I there's no way I could know anything and sold to me that way and I remember the guy I bought from was like just show me what you downloaded it's like okay I'll, i can do that price he recognized like the world has changed the power has shifted and the mm-hmm. way to do that is to be vulnerable and open like all right just tell me and we'll figure this out and i think software companies that's the opportunity to be vulnerable like we don't do everything perfectly like this isn't not every implementation goes 100 percent correctly like you're looking at other you know who our competitors are. You're looking at them, you're reading reviews. And it always seems like there's just no acknowledgement of that. And the, uh, the, the last thing I'll say, it, the best version of this I'd ever seen was back in the mid 2000s, and I've looked for it, I cannot find it. Deloitte Consulting put out a booklet about basically system of implementation. It must've been something along those lines, like you know implementing some sort of software. And it was the most open it was all about like, hey, sometimes this goes wrong and here's why it goes wrong. And here's what we do wrong when we look back when things went bad. And here's mm-hmm. what our customers say they wish had done differently. Like, it was the most real thing I'd ever read and I've read exactly one of them in 20 years. But that's how striking it was. And I yeah. remember it because it was like, right, this is how it goes. No one thinks a huge implementation of any piece of software goes smoothly in 90 days. Like yeah. you can say it all day long, but no one believes that. And if you acknowledge, here's where, here's where we're going to have some hiccups and like, let's get this out here from the beginning. So we think it will go better. It feels really powerful rather than like you download this thing and it's just, it's just a vomit of all the things that are supposed to be great about them. Yeah. It just seems yeah. vulnerability seems like an opportunity.
0: Right. It's, it's why I hate Instagram. Yeah. It's only the big things and you never see the real things. Whereas like a conversation, just talking to your buddy, you can actually figure out like, oh man, his job sucks or create that bigger LTV and better relationship with that individual so that they trust you. And the b- best way to get trust is vulnerability, hands down. If you can open up to somebody and be real with them and be raw and be fresh, like that is what's going to get you and win you over with your customers.
1: Mike Nelson, thanks so much for joining.
0: Hey, Thanks.